This edition of U.S. Law Radio is being brought to you by SCA Limited, forensic engineering and origin cause experts working nationwide since 1970. By Ringler Associates. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided injured parties and their attorneys with the finest structured settlement services. And by U.S. Legal Support. For more than 20 years, U.S. Legal Support has been providing superior court reporting services nationwide using state-of-the-art technology. Hi, everybody. This is Dan Walker. Welcome to another edition of U.S. Law Radio. And if part of your routine is using an ATM machine, and particularly if you happen to own a business that offers the services of an ATM machine, the next few minutes will be of real interest. A company called Automated Transactions LLC has been quite busy with suits around patent infringement, which has impacted quite a few businesses, large and small. Let's find out more from New Hampshire U.S. law member John Funk, partner in the firm Gallagher, Callahan, and Gartrell. John, great to have you here. My pleasure. Good to be here. Well, our discussion today centers around that company I mentioned, Automated Transactions LLC. Can you tell us who they are? Sure. I've known about Automated Transactions LLC for about two years. I have clients who first started receiving letters from Automated Transactions claiming that they had infringed a patent that it holds that relates to an interface between automated teller machines, ATMs, and the Internet. And they claimed that these companies were violating its patent. The company has been in existence since probably the early 2000s. Its owner is a gentleman by the name of David Barcelou, who had applied for a patent back in 1995 for what he calls is the interface between ATMs and the internet for the transmitting of uh, information. And this company that he organized, Automated Transactions, was assigned the patent rights from David Barcelo and is the one that's making the claims. I've represented probably 200 companies that have received letters from Automated Transactions claiming the patent infringement. And they claim the patent infringement not only with regard to the direct connection between an ATM and the Internet, but they also claim patent violations with respect to indirect access to the Internet through wireless networks, satellite networks, or other internal operations within a company. So it pretty much covers the board in terms of how it's claiming that companies that use ATMs that process information over the Internet are violating its patents. You know, right off the bat, it kind of sounds like suing for patent infringement is Mr. Barcelo's primary source of income. Well, there's a whole industry of patent trolls these days that secure patents that may or may not be valid when tested and then proceed to make claims on companies and harvest monies through these patent infringement cases that greatly exceeds what they might be entitled to if they were actually licensing their technology. This isn't a technological breakthrough in any way. It's a method that David Barcelo thought was somewhat unique and not utilized prior to his applying for the patent. As I mentioned, he originally applied for it back in 1996. And if you put yourself back in the, the 90s with regard to ATMs, the networks back then were basically what I would call regional networks. 
that were connected either through T1 lines or dial-up lines. They weren't connected through the internet. And Barcelou claims he developed this notion that the internet could be utilized for the transmission of information and there could be a much greater use of ATM networks that were connected through the internet. And so, hence, that's the basis of his original patent. And then he secured a number of continuation patents on different aspects of the original concept. So there are a total of 13 patents that automated transaction holds with respect to these types of transactions. So what happens if there's an ATM not directly connected to the internet? Would that mean that it's not violating the patents? Well, that's a good question. And this came up a lot when I was first contacted by companies that received the letter. They would say that, look, our system is not directly connected to the Internet. We have automated teller machines that are either connected to our company or to a service provider that transmit the data to the service provider. And then the service provider takes the information that's been provided and then it, through whatever means it utilizes, will connect with other parties down the line and credit and debit accounts appropriately with respect to a transaction on an ATM. Typically, the type of transaction we're talking about is is a cash withdrawal from an ATM. And so the information with respect to the cash withdrawal is transmitted through a number of intermediaries to the ultimate bank from which the money is withdrawn, and then it is credited back through these same intermediaries to the company that allowed the transaction to take place. And so companies would say to me when they were contacted, well, we don't think we're violating the patents because we're not connected to the internet, and we just simply transmit the data through T1 line or a dial-up to our service provider, and then the service provider takes care of it after that. Well, the response that automated transactions came back with is, no, no, no. We take the view that any access to the Internet, whether it's directly by yourself or indirectly through service providers, violates our patent because at some point there's a interface between a machine and the Internet that transmits the information, and that's what our patent's all about. I liken it to a interstate highway system. If you have an ATM that's directly connected to the internet, you're one of the entrance ramps onto the internet through this access point, and you go directly from the ATM onto the internet, and then it gets offloaded at some point down the line. Whereas if you have a T1 line or a dial-up, you're on a secondary road, and you're transmitting your information over the secondary road down the line to a service provider who then has access to the internet through its entrance ramp. And that's what Barcelo was claiming through automated transactions, that it is that interface that triggers the patent violation. So their view is, if you have an ATM, basically, you're transmitting information at some point over the internet, either directly or indirectly, and you're violating our patent, and we're going after you. Well, talk to us about the lawsuits that have been filed so far, and how did they work out? Well, the big case that was filed was brought in 2006 by a company called IYG Holdings Company, which is the majority shareholder of 7-Eleven. And that case was filed in Delaware, and 
It was one of the early cases that automated transactions was involved with. It was its original patent that was secured in 2005, as well as three of its continuation patents. So there was extensive testimony in Delaware. As a result of that testimony, the court concluded that there was not a violation of the patent because 7-Eleven was using a virtual private network, a VPN, and because it was using a VPN, it was not part of the quote-unquote public internet, and so therefore the court concluded there wasn't any violation. There was also at that time an administrative action that was filed with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office claiming that the patent was improperly granted with respect to a number of its claims, stating that the patent was really based on prior art. Not all of the 13 patents were challenged, only a number of them, but on review, the conclusion was that indeed the patents were based on prior art and invalid. That was appealed. It all got consolidated with the Delaware action and ended up at the circuit court. The circuit court concluded that the lower court and administrative decision was correct and affirmed those decisions. And then Automated Transactions filed a petition for certiorari with the United States Supreme Court, which was not granted. So as a consequence, in the major lawsuit that was brought, Automated Transactions ended up on the losing side. Now, it is also involved in a host of other lawsuits that have been brought to enforce its claim that are working its way through the judicial system most of those cases are in various stages of discovery, and so there hasn't been a final resolution of them. Gotcha. Nice to see the good guys win here. So what about indemnity claims against manufacturers and the service providers, John? You know, that's an excellent question because one of the uh, issues that comes up right from the beginning when a company receives one of these letters is, look, you know, I didn't invent this technology. I bought the technology from a vendor. I, I bought an ATM machine and the manufacturer of the machine confirmed to me that it had all the proper patents to utilize the technology. And I'm using a service provider, and the service provider tells me it has all the licenses it needs to conduct business. And so shouldn't I be able to make a claim on either the service provider or the manufacturer and be indemnified? And that seems very logical. One would think that if you're buying technology from uh, third parties, you ought to be able to rely upon their contractual commitments to you and be able to recover funds in the event that you find yourself subject to a patent claim. The problem is, is that, first of all, because the case law has, has gone against automated transactions thus far, these companies claim that there hasn't been a patent violation. Secondly, they employ what I would call a water's edge mentality, which they say is, well, our ATM machines are fully licensed. And the service provider says, yes, our uh, services are, have the appropriate license and we're not violating anything, but it is the marriage of the service provider's technology and the ATM technology that creates 
this interface, and it's the interface where the patent infringement claim is being made. And so they say that it's not their problem, it's someone else's problem. And so ultimately, the company that has the letter is caught in the middle. And if it wants to file an indemnity claim, it's going to end up costing the company more money to file an indemnity claim and adding to its damages than simply trying to work out a resolution with uh, automated transactions. It's been very frustrating. The irony of the whole thing is that the 7-Eleven case that I talked about earlier was actually handled by one of the ATM manufacturers because 7-Eleven's a pretty good-sized company and made a claim against it and it decided it had to step up to the plate to protect its interests. Smaller banks and credit unions and ATM operators have not had the luxury of that kind of defense in their behalf. Well, John, as we're getting ready to wrap things up here, what are my options and do I have to worry about a lawsuit? There are a number of options out there. First of all, you have to look at it very practically from a dollar and cent standpoint. Patent litigation can be very expensive, take a very long time, and be very frustrating. So each company has to kind of look at it from a dollars and cents standpoint. There have basically been two approaches that have been carved out, one of which has been procuring a license from automated transactions. I put together some large settlement groups of companies that have been able to negotiate very favorable terms from automated transactions. They procure a license, and they don't have to think about it again. It's an irritant. It's a relatively minor expense, but they put it behind them and don't have to think about it. Some other companies that think it's a matter of principle and they don't want to succumb to the kind of extortion that they think automated transactions is making have joined together in some jointly funded lawsuits and have contested the claim. And as I mentioned earlier, they're working their way through the court system. So basically, you can go either way, depending on a cost-benefit analysis. Generally, if you're a smaller institution, it probably makes sense to consider some type of license. If you're a larger institution and your exposure is greater, you might consider joining in with a common lawsuit and fighting the claim. Well, John Funk, you are a wealth of information on the topic, and I'm sure there's a lot more to know. Where can we go to find out more? Well, you can go on actually our website. I've written a number of articles about this, gcglaw.com. You can take a look at those articles. The articles over time have added more content and material as information has been learned. Also, uh, the Internet is a pretty good source of information so that once you focus in on some cases that have been filed involving automated transactions, you can get information as to what the status of those cases are. And so you can learn in that manner as well. John, we appreciate you taking the time to enlighten us on the topic and notching out a few minutes for us here on U.S. Law Radio. Hope you'll come back and see us again sometime. Well, I would love to. It was great talking to you. And, you know, be careful when you uh, withdraw money from an ATM. You never know what's going to happen. That's it, folks. We are out of time. U.S. Law Radio is produced by Rachel Brook. Send your comments and show ideas her way. She'd love to hear from you. This edition of U.S. Law Radio has been brought to you by SEA Limited, forensic engineering and origin cause experts working nationwide since 1970. By Ringler Associates. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided injured parties and their attorneys with the finest structured settlement services. And by U.S. Legal Support. For more than 20 years, U.S. Legal Support has been providing superior court reporting services nationwide using state-of-the-art technology. 
This is Dan Walker. Thanks for listening in. We'll see you again next time for another fresh edition of U.S. Law Radio.